I'm Roger Rosenblatt, and this is Word for Word. Would you mind if I borrowed this book? Of all the terrifying assaults to which a writer's home is vulnerable, nothing equals that of a guest who stares straight at the bookshelves. It is not the judgmental possibility that is frightening, the fact that one's sense of discrimination is exposed by one's books. Indeed, most people would much prefer to see the guest first scan, then peer, then turn away in boredom or disapproval. Alas, too often the eyes, dark with calculation, shift from title to title like a lecture in an overheated dance hall. And that is not the worst. It is when those eyes stop moving that the heart stops, too. The guest's body twitches, his hands float up to where his eyes have led it. There is nothing to be done. You freeze. He smiles. You hear the question even as it forms. Would you mind if I borrowed this book? Mind? Why should I mind? The fact that I came upon that book in a Paris bookstall in April 1985, the 13th, I believe it was, the afternoon, it was drizzling. That I found it after searching all Europe and North America for a copy. That it is dog-eared at passages that mean more to my life than my heartbeat. That the mere touch of its pages recalls to me in a Proustian shower my first love, my best dreams. Should I mind that you seek to take all that away? that I will undoubtedly never get the book back, that even if you actually return it to me one day, I will be wizened, you cavalier, and the book spoiled utterly by your mishandling. Mind! Not at all. I hope you enjoy it. Thanks. I'll bring it back next week. No rush. Take your time. Liar. Not that there is any known way to avoid these exchanges. One has books. One has friends. They are bound to meet. Charles Lamb waxed livid on the subject. He railed, you borrowers of books, those mutilators of collections, spoilers of the symmetry of shelves, and creators of odd volumes. But how are such people to be put off, since they are often ourselves, and the non-return of borrowed books is a custom as old as reading itself? Say, Gutenberg, what's this? And may I borrow it? It is said that King Charles I clutched a Bible as he mounted the scaffold, one shudders to imagine the last earthly question he heard. Still, this custom confutes nature. In every other such situation, the borrower becomes a slave to the lender, the social weight of the debt so altering the balance of a relationship that a temporary acquisition turns into a permanent loss. This is certainly true with money, yet it is not at all true with books. For some reason, a book borrower feels that a book, once taken, is his own. This removes both memory and guilt from the transaction. Making matters worse, the lender believes it too. To keep up appearances, he may solemnly extract an oath that the book be brought back as soon as possible, the borrower answering with matching solemnity that God might seize his eyes were he to do otherwise. But it is all polite bullshit. Once gone, the book is gone forever. The lender, fearing rudeness, never asks for it again. The borrower never stoops to raise the subject. Can the borrowers be thwarted? There are attempts. Some hopeful people glue ex libris stickers to the inside covers, one's name beside squirrels holding books and wearing glasses. As if the presence of Latin and the imprint of a name were so formidable as to reverse a motor reflex. It never works. 
one might try slipping false jackets on one's books. A cover for the secret agent, disguising utility rates in Ottawa, a woman's view. But book borrowers are merely despicable, not stupid. They tend to leaf before they pluck. Besides, the interesting thing about the feeling of loss when a book is borrowed is that the book's quality rarely matters. So mysterious is the power of books in our lives that every loss is a serious loss, every hole in the shelf a crater. And this, of course, is the key to the sense of hopelessness in this matter. Our books are ourselves, our characters, our insulation against those very people who would take away our books. There on that wall, Ahab storms. Hamlet mulls. Molly Bloom says, yes, yes, yes. Keats looks into Chapman, who looks at Homer, who looks at Keats. All this happens in a bookshelf continually, while you are out walking the dog, or pouting, or asleep. The Punic Wars rage, Emma Bovary pines, Bacon exhorts others to behave the way he never could. Here French is spoken, there Freud. So go war and peace, pride and prejudice, decline and fall, perpetually in motions as sweeping as Milton's, or as slight as Emily Dickinson contemplating the grass. Plato was reputedly found dead with a book under his pillow, Petrarch in his library, with his elbow resting on an open page. Books gave them more than solace. They were their lives extended, a way of touching eternity. Why else, then, would writers do almost anything for books, to acquire and preserve them, to prevent their banning or burning? Stories of manuscripts lost or destroyed are especially heartbreaking because one knows how ephemeral ideas and images are, what vast effort it takes to dust off the confusions, tune out the noise, and create those books that, for whatever inadequacies they may display, still set the mind in order for a time, giving it a spine and a binding. There may be no more pleasing picture in the world than that of a child peering into a book the past and the future entrancing each other. Neither does anyone look quite so attractive as with a book in hand. How many people have fallen in love merely at the sight of someone reading? All of which would appear to offer an argument that book lending ought to be encouraged. It is the supreme selfless act, after all. Should we not abjure our pettiness, open our libraries, and let our most valued possessions fly from house to house, sharing the wealth? Certain clerics with vows of poverty did this. Inside their books was printed not ex libris, but ad usum, for the use of, indicating that it is better to lend than to keep, that all life's gifts are transitory. Should we not follow the clerics? Or might we just for once summon our true feelings on this subject? and upon hearing the terrible question, smile back and speak from the heart. Mind, I'll break your arm, you bastard.